Well, hello to all my dear friends at Church Central West. It's such a privilege to get the opportunity to be with you today. I hear such uh, encouraging reports regarding how you're doing uh, and long for the day when I can actually be among you and get to catch up properly. And I only hope and pray that day comes soon. Now, what I've been tasked with doing for you today is continuing the series in Philippians, which Owen kicked off last Sunday. And really the passage that I've been handed very much reflects my heart for all of you. But before we dive into it, let me very quickly try and catch you up with a bit of the background. Interestingly, similar to the context we find ourselves in right now, the whole context of this letter to the Philippians was incredibly challenging. As Owen explained last week, Paul, the author, was in prison facing possible execution. And the church in Philippi, the recipients of this letter, well, they were facing persecution of their own. And so, to quote Alec Mottier, the Philippian believers were tensed up, ready for the assault of the menacing world around them. Now, I don't think it's a stretch to say coronavirus and all the associated economic and social side effects, that's pretty menacing, isn't it? And it can make us feel incredibly tense at times. And so I think this truly is a letter for our times. It's deeply relevant for the situation we find ourselves in right now. Now, our main focus today it's going to be verses 3 to 11, where Paul emphasises the importance of our partnership together. But let's just quickly remind ourselves of how Paul started this letter, because really the first couple of verses very much lay the foundation for all that follows. Here's what Paul says. This letter is from Paul and Timothy slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Now, I'm not going to touch on what it means to be God's holy people or slaves of Christ Jesus or for that matter, the glorious grace and peace that the gospel gives us, all of which Owen did a superb job at unpacking last time round. I simply want to underline the main players here, because if you like, Paul provides us with a quick who's who in these verses. He starts by introducing us to Jesus who is our senior partner. He's the head over the whole church. He's not this abstract, out-of-touch chairman. No, he holds us together, causing us to throb with his life, his spirit, his comfort, his courage. So first of all, you have Jesus, the senior partner, the head over the church. And then we've got Paul and Timothy, who are working to strengthen the church from the outside. 
If you know your New Testament, you'll be familiar with the way churches were meaningfully connected with other churches and with ministers like Paul and Timothy or Silas, Apollos, Barnabas, Priscilla and Aquila, Lydia, John Mark and so on. All of them working from the outside to comfort, encourage and equip local churches and also catch them up on a wider mission. And just to say, our partnership as churches here at Church Central and wider than that in Catalyst certainly helps us with that. Not, not just strengthening us, but lifting our gaze and enlarging the horizons of our mission. So you've got Jesus, the senior partner, the head over the church. Uh, you've got uh, gifted people like Paul and Timothy strengthening the church from the outside. And then there are the church leaders and deacons working inside the church. Local congregations like this one consisting of leaders and followers in gospel partnership together. And I don't know what you think, but I reckon when you put all of this together, it's a pretty beautiful, multifaceted partnership, isn't it? All of us partnering with Jesus, whether it's through our partnership between churches or partnership within the church, believer to believer. As Owen so helpfully underlined last time, God's design is not for us to succumb to the individualism of our culture. No, we were made to relate together, to be interconnected, to work together in partnership. Okay, now we're clear on all of that. Let's move on and see what else Paul has to say about the nature of these partnerships. Let's pick it up again in verse 3. He says, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So, it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favour of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. We see a number of things here about the nature of partnership. And 
In the time that remains, I want to swiftly flag up five of those characteristics of partnership that Paul touches on in these glorious verses. First thing we learn about partnership here is that you know when you're in it. Verse 5, Paul says that their partnership started on an actual day, just like your partnership with the other believers here at Church Central West started on the day you became a part of this church. And this word partner I think is really incredibly important. It's like a nail in the coffin of consumerist Christianity. You are not an attender or merely a spectator. No, you're a partner. You are involved. You're not a consumer of Church Central. No, you are Church Central. Believer to believer, in our churches and in churches together, we are not parasites. We're productive. We're not passive. No, we are contributing together. That's the first thing about partnership. You know when you're in it. Moving on. The second hallmark of partnership is that we get to impart courage to each other. Certainly, that's what Paul did to them, didn't he? In verse 6, he said, I want you to be certain of this because I am certain of this, that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And I think at different times, we all need some partner or other to come alongside and encourage us to keep going, to persevere, to not give up. You see, the devil is a spectacularly good discourager. And so we need to speak truth into one another to provide the courage we need to persevere. Now, just to say, this whole theme of God owning our salvation and keeping us to the end is massive in Philippians. Chapter 3, verse 12, Paul speaks about laying hold of all things Christ because Christ has laid hold of him. Chapter 2, verse 13, Paul exhorts us to work out our salvation because Christ is at work in us. So please, don't ever let anyone forget that God started our salvation. And if he started it, he will keep it and he will certainly complete it. Let's keep imparting courage to each other in partnership. Next privilege of partnership, the third thing we see here, is Paul sharing deep affection with them. And you know what? We get to do that with one another as well. In verse 7 he says, it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you for you have a special place in my heart. Verse 8, God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. You know, one of the things I most love about Church Central West is the wonderful sense of family that you enjoy together. Please, do not ever 
take that for granted. Remember, primary description of God is Father. And primary description of the church is family. My observation would be that the churches that don't emphasise being family together, those are the churches that seem to have struggled most during this whole COVID season, where churches emphasise the place or the Sunday meeting more than lifestyle, or where the person leading is put on a pedestal and seen as more important than the priesthood of all believers, each playing their own individual part, or where the programme replaces relationship and genuine discipleship. For those churches, COVID has threatened everything. Now, don't hear me wrong. It's fine to enjoy the place where we meet and to make a priority of our Sunday meetings. And I'd certainly encourage you to honour those who lead in the church. And certainly, let's develop some healthy programmes. But at the same time, let's keep those things in their rightful place and ensure they don't work against keeping a genuine family feel. And I know it's hard when we're forced to stay at home and not physically meet others. But through this season, please, let's keep finding creative ways to ensure nobody is left out of the family, that we're going out of our way to show love and affection to one another. That's the third thing. Another thing Paul does in his partnership and which I think we can imitate in ours too, with one another in the church and among our churches, is help calibrate one another to Christ's return. Verse 6, verse 10, Paul speaks of the day when Christ Jesus returns. And I think we have a responsibility to help one another, just like Paul does with the Philippians. We we must help one another keep our personal centre of gravity more in the next life than in this one. You know, this time of year is really quite tough for my family because uh, a number of years back now, my dad quite unexpectedly died just before Christmas. And I was chatting with my mum last month on the anniversary of his death. And through the tears, she said, Jonathan, I am so looking forward to heaven. It's like her centre of gravity is more in the next life than this one. As Paul put it in 2 Corinthians 4, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I tell you, we all need people in our lives like Paul and my mum who will keep us from obsessing over today and help us instead to obsess about that great day. I think one of the things that COVID has done is force us to think more about death and the life to come. 
And I, for one, believe that's a really healthy thing. And then fifthly and finally, prayer is a vital part of our partnership. Paul mentions it several times in verse 4, verse 9. He says, whenever I pray and I pray that and then launches into this stunning prayer. I tell you, I love the growing culture of prayer across our churches and I applaud the way that prayer has been right at the very heart of Church Central West as you have reshaped what you do since the first lockdown back in March last year. I'm so proud of the way you have increasingly committed yourselves to prayer and I'll tell you why. Prayer is the ultimate sign that we truly believe that unless the Lord builds the house, we labour in vain. Not only that, but prayer keeps us free from burdens that aren't ours, but are the Lord's to carry. It keeps us focused on what's truly important. Prayer keeps us soft-hearted yet thick-skinned. It causes despair to yield to hope and it stokes the fires of faith. As Andrew Murray comments, by prayer, the church on earth has at its disposal the powers of the heavenly world. So in our partnership, let's keep praying. So as I wrap all of this up, like Paul's prayer for the Philippians, really my prayer for Church Central West is simply that you would commit yourselves to partnership together, that everyone would know you're in, that you would impart courage to one another, spurring one another on with truth, that you'd cherish being family together, growing in love and affection for one another, that you'd help each other stay calibrated to the great reality of Christ's return, and that you'd keep growing in prayer. Because Let's not kid ourselves. These are tough and challenging times, aren't they? And really now, more than ever before, we must cling on to the partnership we have, looking to Jesus, our head, our senior partner, receiving input and support from other partner churches and ministers from the outside, and strengthening our relationships as leaders and followers within the church. And as we're going to see, in the weeks to come, the promise of this letter to the Philippians is that if we do that, we will discover true joy. Much love to you all. May God richly bless you as you seek to work all of this out in your lives together.